chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, and chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Listen for the word of God. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the Lord may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on God, because God cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To the Lord be the power forever and ever. Amen. Two, one, two, here we go. I find this verse dead depressing. Don't you? Don't be surprised at the fiery uh, ordeal that is undertaking you all. Why should you be surprised? Hello? This is not what I signed up for. Don't be surprised. Everyone else is going through it as well. Do I have a witness? And there's this lovely line that the first time I actually, you know, I've read it, but the first time I heard it was, um, what was that, uh, Sleepy Hollow with, with Johnny Depp. At the funeral, it's like, you know, your adversary, the devil, is like a, a you know, a raging lion who is just waiting to pounce and devour. And I thought, where is that? It's like, oh, that's from, that's from First Peter. This is a depressing text. Fiery ordeals come. They just do. And when they come, we shouldn't be all that surprised. Paul's talking about, uh, Peter actually, is talking about fiery ordeals that is happening to the church from the outside. And a lot of times they come from the outside and we need to mobilize ourselves and be ready for that. And sometimes they come from the inside, don't they? <laughs> they come from the inside. And Peter's advice is dead on for either case. Because what he says is, where are we supposed to cast our anxiety? Where are we supposed to put all of our angst, our ugh? Where does that go? Oh, come on. This is not hard. 
on those we love. That's right. What, what Peter says is, when you're having a bad day, go home and take it out on the ones you love the most. <laughs> or go to work and go postal on your fellow employees. No, that wasn't there either. Cast all your anxieties upon where? Think higher up the food chain. God, thank you. Sometimes, whether when we are the church, we think we get from point A to point B by ourselves. It is our work and our effort that gets us there. And when things aren't going wrong, and I need to mobilize more people to get their oars in the water to get me from point A to point B. And how does that work for us? Not so good. The power of this ship is higher up the food chain. The wind of our sails is higher up. Cast all of our anxiety on God. We didn't read 1 Corinthians 12 because it's a herkin long chapter. So let me summarize. Basically, Paul says, you people in Corinth, you have so many gifts. You are an unbelievably gifted church. The problem is, you don't appreciate each other's gifts. The people who do the seeing think the people who do the walking aren't as important, and vice versa. And Paul says we're all part of the body. And we're all made to drink of one spirit. We're all essential. And the last line of verse, of, of verse 12, chapter 12, is let me show you a more excellent way. And that's the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, which most of you know if you've ever been to a wedding. Love is not arrogant or boastful or rude or this or that, the other thing, it's long-suffering and all this stuff. And we always use this in the context of a love in a relationship between a man and a woman or a man and a man or a woman and a woman. But basically, it's a relationship between two people who are in love. And Paul says, this is the nature of the church. We are going to go through fiery ordeals, folks. And if you think it shouldn't happen here, I hate to be the one who breaks the bad news. This is a human institution driven by God, but it's a human institution, and there are times when we are going to disagree. Hard to believe, but true. Hard to imagine, but just stay with me. And when we do, how we disagree defines us whether we are the church or not. Do we disagree lovingly? Because i got to tell you, the sources of our disagreements really are not our problem. The problem is somebody doesn't feel heard, they don't feel um, honored, they don't feel whatever. And there's something underneath that that we need to, as a church, attend to. We need to honor everybody in our midst if we are going to be the church. And what we have to do when that happens and we realize we're failing is not go home and take it out on our partners. And not to call someone else and say, you know what, this is driving me crazy. But to say, I can't handle this, God. 
I'm at the end of my rope. I need your help. 80% about spirituality, 80% of spirituality is about letting go. When we try to hold on and control our lives, bad things happen. <laughs> I had a I had a thought. <laughs> I went to, I had a dad at my last church. God bless him. He was a lovely man. And he would talk about the problems he was having with his son. And he said, I told my son what he needed to do. And I laid down the law with him. And I said, if you don't do it this way, then, you know, we're going to have issues. I said, how's that working for you? It's working terrible. He's, he's worse than ever. Really? Didn't see that one coming. Have you thought about trying another tact? But he's wrong. And I told him what he needs to do. How's that working for you? Well, it's working terrible. Why don't you try that about three more times, and then we'll talk again. Sometimes we get that way. I had a professor who, God love him, he was a brilliant man, brilliant, 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 and he, he didn't understand that I could listen to his system and still disagree with him. I'd say, I don't agree with that. And he'd say, no, no, you're not understanding what I'm telling you. It's like, no, I am understanding it. I just don't think the way you think. And he, he, this is one of the brightest men I ever knew, but he couldn't get that. He couldn't imagine somebody, because he really, unlike you all who know better, he thought that I was intelligent. You know better, okay? But he didn't. And he thought, BJ's an intelligent, smart guy. If I can help him understand the way I think, he'll think that way too. It's like, uh, no. And he was absolutely befuddled. i got to tell you, folks, here's the thing. This is a great church. I love this church. We are good, good, good people. One and all. We really are. And we did a grief ritual yesterday, and there, are, there were 35 people there who are aching for a spiritual home. They are absolutely in their bones yearning for a community that will love them, that will be the body of Christ to them. We could be this body. And all we have to do is when we disagree, do it lovingly. That's it. And when it gets too hard, instead of harping on one another, give it to God. I tell you, when you can take that rock out of your backpack and you can lay it down, oh, it feels good. It feels fantastic. Once you get used to it, you'll keep doing it. We are the body of Christ. We are called through fiery ordeals which unfortunately don't seem to be that uncommon in life. And we are pursued by things that seek to devour us. And we know this. And we live this. And we are called to turn it over to God. Not as an opiate of the people, but as a way of lifting the burdens from us. And we are invited to take the people who we don't 
see eye to eye with on one little issue, whatever that may be, and say, I love you, Al. I don't know why you think the way you do, but I sure love you anyway. In the South, they have a really phrase, you know, bless his heart, bless his heart. You know, when somebody says, bless his heart, what they're really meaning is like, that person is crazy. And actually, I like Al a lot. But that's what we do as a church. We love one another well. And if we can do that, people who are looking for a community that will love them well will find here the body and spirit of Christ. And that's good news. Amen.